This episode is brought to you by Adobe. Creative Cloud for Teams. Everything your team needs to work better together. Welcome to Design Your Life, the podcast where we explore applying design principles to everyday life. I'm your host and founder of Frost Collective, Vince Frost. My guests today are Scott Dadich and Patrick Godfrey, the founders of Godfrey Dadich, a content design and strategy agency with offices in LA and New York and headquarters in San Francisco. You may have watched Scott's inspiring Netflix documentary series, Abstract, The Art of Design, or read issues of Wired magazine, which he edited for five years. It's great to have Scott and Patrick here in Sydney. I love their creative energy and the entrepreneurial spirit and I've been a huge admirer of their work for many years. Scott and Patrick, welcome to Sydney and thank you so much for visiting our Frost Collective studio. So I'm really thrilled that you both are here in Sydney today. It's a real honor to kind of catch up with you and and I've never met Patrick before so I'm really thrilled to meet you too. Been watching you guys from afar on Instagram and you have a very idyllic life, beautiful studios that seem to be opening every week, uh, amazing staff, beautiful illustrations of each of them, and um, you know the odd glass of whiskey or something on a table I see at the end of the week. <laughs> so you guys are well, having a lot of fun. Yeah, we really are. It's so good to be here and great to see you. Been, what, 10 years maybe since? I'm trying to think. Maybe. maybe I feel maybe. like I met you in 2007 when I came down for the first time I That's spoke right. at Something Permanent. Well, it would have been that then. Yeah. Jeez, 11 years ago. I know. Look at that. Time wow. flies. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, and you said earlier, I've lost all my hair. <laughs> and I've gained you a few look pounds. Exactly, <laughs> no, you look exactly the same. Exactly. And have you been to Australia before, Patrick? I have been before. Okay, cool. Always a delight to be able to come here. Oh, fantastic, man. It's really good to see you guys. Um, and, and Scott, I, I talked to you in my book, Design Your Life, uh, in 2014. You are kind enough uh, for me to interview you and talk about your experience as a creative person moving into – uh, an editorial role, yeah, and and all that was entailed in in that shift and that move, um, and how you approach your life, and I was really fascinated by that. Uh, so again, thank that you for that. That was fun. That was fun. And as I said, I didn't know Patrick before, but now you guys have have shifted and and you pivoted into a new a new um, situation, which is really cool. And again, from afar, you kind of watch this stuff. But oh, hang on a minute, what's this new business you guys are doing? And uh, and the abstract uh, series, was, which was kind of globally recognized as being phenomenal, a lot happened to both of you at the same, seemed like to be at the same time. Um, how, where did it start? It's a, it's a good story, I think. There, you're right. There was a lot going on, I would say, for me, between January of 2015, which is when abstract really sort of kicked into gear, and the end of 2016, um, right before Abstract aired and at the moment that we had just launched our issue guest edited by President Obama, um, which came out right before the American election. And in that two-year period, Patrick and I had really strengthened and solidified our very dear friendship and had been talking a lot about a collaboration that actually kicked off some work together. And I think, do you want to start? It was It was... There were so many factors, I think, in, in how we got to where we got. Yeah, there. Um, just a few years before that, in 2013, when you had just taken on the title of Editor-in-Chief of Wired, um, at the time, Scott was interviewing firms to help chart the future course of Wired. The basic idea being that Wired had been this journal about the nexus of innovation and culture, and, and all of their predictions had come true. Um, but one of the things that had come true as well is that 
technology and innovation had crossed over into the mainstream. The iPhone was certainly a big part of that, but the subject matter that Wired used to cover by itself um, suddenly had thousands of media that were doing the same thing. Uh, and that really was, it culminated in a moment where Elon Musk released a technological paper around a pneumatic tube system for moving people, and he called it the Hyperloop. And that's the kind of thing that 15 years ago maybe would have been in popular mechanics. Um, but it's a sign of where our culture got to that that was on the front page of every newspaper in the world and above the fold on every website. And Scott was taking the mantle of Wired, sort of the Bible of innovation culture, at a moment when suddenly the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal and BuzzFeed and the Sydney Morning Herald and everything else was covering this same stuff. And it was his charter to take the the brand of Wired and move it forward uh, into the future where it still stood apart. And it was a terrifying brief, um, which is why we loved it. So it's, it's the first collaboration we did together. And Scott and his team took the work and the strategy that we did and turned it into really huge success. They basically doubled the size of the Wired audience. Um, and ever since we did that work together, we kept saying to each other, how do we how do we do that again? And ultimately, we started a company to do it. Wow. Yeah, I think there was this moment where the we've used the tortured and horrible uh, chocolate and peanut butter <laughs> analogy. <laughs> but I think I, I didn't fully understand that I knew when I started interviewing firms that I needed some help at that point. And we had Wired at the time was two different entities. Um, the website actually had been sold to a different concern. Condé Nast had owned the magazine. And at some point, just before I, I took over as editor-in-chief, the um, Condé Nast bought the website back and the mandate was to put these these two objects together as one. And so we had different newsrooms for Wired.com and the magazine. We had different key cards, different mandates, different missions. And I didn't quite understand the, the importance and power of a great strategy. I knew that we needed help, and I needed help personally. And I think the team was looking for sort of an outside remove, someone to help us diagnose some of the issues we were we were encountering. And it wasn't until Patrick and his team came in and really solidified and gave, gave focus to the work that we were trying to do. So brand strategy, the ability to, to bring that clarity to the work we were doing on the design and journalism and, and editorial side and sort of put those two things together. In my time at Condé Nast, I hadn't really seen that put to use and to great effect. And so our team drove really outsized results over that. And at the same time, I had started working on um, creating abstract. And so that was sort of this low rumble in uh, the background throughout 2015. And then we went into full production at the end of 2015 and all through 2016. So we were filming all around the world and putting that together and inventing that format with my partners, Dave O'Connor and, and Morgan Neville. And really going out and trying to make something new for the first time. And that was such an electric charge. And I, I can't describe the sort of feeling of having Wired see this amazing result because of the work that the team was doing. And then concurrently getting to work with President Obama and throughout that whole summer um, as he guest edited that issue. So it was just sort of this magical year in 2016. Incredible. Are you still presumably getting a magazine out every month? And getting a magazine out every month. In fact, publishing 50 stories a day on Wired.com. Wow. So the team was was clicking on all cylinders. And it felt like for me and part of what Patrick and I were talking about, it felt like 
I wanted to sort of keep that momentum going. I wanted to keep doing a lot of different things. Yeah. I wanted to set, have the sort of diversity in the diet that that work like that provided, that every day at Wired could look a little bit different, but then to be out and tell stories and film, it sort of felt like for me, um, we had been used to telling stories in the magazine and the website and shooting some videos and, and hosting live events, but what Abstract brought was sort of this fourth dimension where we could tell stories in this ultra high resolution. In fact, we're shooting in 4K and HDR mm. and all these things, and I couldn't, I couldn't get over the power that that held for me as as a designer as a, as a storyteller. It was incredible for, for both of you. I mean, I would have thought in my position, Patrick's position, I would have been pretty nervous. Maybe you're not nervous kind of guy, but to, to, to go in and, and to help Wired Magazine the way, way that you did, I mean, there's a risk that that might not, might not have worked. It, it's the single most terrifying brief. I've ever encountered. So you were terrified. Oh yeah, and, okay, and it was magnified because you know <laughs> Scott had started to become a friend at that point too. Oh, so no. it wasn't just the client dynamic; it was the whole. You know, you take this. I moved to San Francisco in 1995, and Wired was born two years before that, mm -hmm. and it really was the the bible of innovation culture. Yeah. Like I said, so it's where you look to for these things, and for someone to come to you and say, "Help us define the future of Wired," you're like, "Holy shit, Wired is the future." What do you mean? <laughs> um, but we found that we could chip away at it. And the diagnostic work was really interesting, but then the work that led to all the breakthroughs was pretty incredible as well. Um, turns out Wired has great access to some really amazing fans. So we got to talk to people like Jack Dorsey about how Wired bound him to this idea of being able to focus on coding and, and be a part of something. Or we talked to great marketers like Beth Comstock who told us, you know, hey, get over it. You're never going to break the story. Um, when you publish something in Wired, I can go into a board meeting and know how to talk about it in front of the GE board. Um, we got to talk to Bjarke Ingels talking about... Are they you know, all clients now? <laughs> well, <laughs> we, we continue to have conversations with them. Um, Bjarke Ingels right. helped us understand that Wired can be interested in many different things. Um, and then we even got to talk to Elon Musk, who spent a really great chunk of time with us being very really open generous. and very candid and very generous and helped us unlock some really amazing things about what Wired meant and means to him. Um, and they really gave us the answers to move this thing forward. And that was extraordinarily cool. And, and so that was happening. Was the abstract series, were you doing it on the side or was that like part of Wired? How did, how did no, that it, was, it was not part of Wired. So it was did someone of approach my, you about it. Like, it was hey, my, my nights and weekends. So Jeez. we, uh, Rob Capps, who was my editorial uh, director at Wired, and I came together with this idea called, that we called Wired by Design that was a collection of world-class designers, creatives, filmmakers, um, up at Skywalker Ranch. Um, chefs. Chefs. The, the, and the idea was pretty simple, that design writ large, creative decision-making, that design is really just a, a series of steps, a series of decisions, one put in front of the other. It's sort of how I tackle it. If I think about the enormity of a big challenge like creating abstract, I'd lose my mind. But yeah. if you think about, well, we've got to get a collection of people together and we have to start a production, you put those steps in order and you end up with a thing. Mm. And over the course of those few days at Skywalker, we heard all these stories and a, one result might have been a skyscraper, one result might have been a sneaker, one result might have been a new dish at Momofuku. And yet the processes sort of sounded eerily similar. Mm -hmm. And one of my dear friends, Dave O'Connor, was in the audience, and he was the head of media and entertainment at Radical Media, 
which was actually a production partner of ours at Wired. And Dave came up to me right after the conference and said, you know, I think you've got a show there. There's there's definitely something in there. Mm. And he kept thinking about it and came to see me a few months later and said, I've, I've been talking to Netflix and I just, I can't get out of my head that there's something about that design process that, that we explored at, at Wired by Design. And you know, I just can't crack it though. Is there something that you could maybe think about? Is there somebody that you would know to help us make this show? And I was like, well, I can do that. <laughs> he said, well, you've got a magazine to run. You've, you've got a day job. And I said, I, I think I, I think I have a way into this. And so I spent the weekend and put a duck together and showed it to him on Monday morning. And he said, well, let's take it to Netflix. And it turned out that it was about 80% of what the show ended up becoming. Wow. Netflix pretty much bought it in the room, and we added a third partner, a guy that both Dave and I had looked up to and admired as a filmmaker, great director, Academy Award-winning director, Morgan Neville. And so Morgan came aboard, and the three of us really sat down to, to crack it. And it was about building that first cast and finding those commonalities. And from there, Netflix was just the best partner in the world to support us. And it was about the time when when Chef's Table had just come out, and so this mm. the space and vision and optimism around telling stories in a beautiful, high-def, long-form format um, was really coming to relevance there on the platform. And they just gave us all the support in the world. It's incredible. And uh, in the meantime, Patrick is in, in your business trying to sort it out for you. <laughs> or have you, had you long gone and you're all back onto other projects? Well, the interesting that's, thing. Yeah, that's, that's a fun story. We'd actually, yeah. we completed our work in early 2014 and Scott and his team, to their unending credit, took the work very seriously and applied it every day and managed to double the size of the Wired audience. They drove over a billion um, page views on Wired.com. They had over a quarter billion unique uh, users. They quintupled their video views. They tripled their social reach, all by hewing to these principles and living them. Um, and my favorite part of the case was actually two years later. It was uh, spring 2016. Uh, as part of the transformation, Scott and his team had brought on a whole bunch of new people, animators, 3D modelers, you know, just a whole new, young, diverse crowd of people that were making the Wired experience real and really wanted to have everybody understand the strategy um, to refresh everybody and give them a primer on what we had done. Because so I, had, I had Patrick in the first time and he sort of held forth and, and explained the process and the outcome to great effect, and it was really a lasting impact. And with all these new folks in the in the, in the newsroom, it was like, oh god, we got to get Patrick back in here because these folks have to hear it from him. He Patrick's an amazing speaker, and he has lived and believed in Wired for so long, and it was just this natural thing to have him back over and explain it again to the new to the new kids oh, on the incredible. in the floor. Yeah, and, and we had set up a call because it had been two years, almost to the day since we had originally presented to the whole team in both San Francisco and New York. So we arranged a call to talk about what we need to change in the presentation deck. Um, we had an hour slotted for this thing. And 10 minutes into the call, we all came to the realization that we didn't need to change a pixel in the presentation. And that was the thing I think I was most proud of in the work that we had collaborated on together because in internet time and in wired time, we had put this strategy together. Two years later, the world had changed enormously and we didn't have to change a single pixel of this presentation. Every word we put in there was just as true two years later as it was going in. Uh, so that was that was a really cool thing. Can you say what the principles were, or is that kind of top secret? You know, now that Scott has left, there's new there's new management, um, and they've taken it, you know, the team has taken it in a different direction. 
Um, so yeah, we, we can talk about it. I mean, we, we hewed to a pretty traditional brand strategy structure of there being a vision, a mission, a position, and then the values that underpin it. And the vision was cribbed from Abraham Lincoln. It was either going to be him or Noam Chomsky. Um, and the idea was that um, the best way to predict the future is to help create it. Um, the idea there being that Wired can't just be a passive voice reporting on what's going on, but actually has to be an advocate and to agitate for the things that go on. And the mission was just about what the organization was going to do to make the vision real. And we talked about it being this idea of constantly surprising and delighting our members. A lot of packed in there. Constantly means there's no news cycle. You're publishing 50 stories a day, which is why ultimately I wanted to go into business with Scott. I was really jealous of that cadence. Yeah. But So it's constantly surprise and delight, not just entertain and inform. Our members, not our readers or our subscribers, because the future of media, even then it was clear. It was media that people pay for versus advertising paying for the media. Through uncovering, which is reporting, curating, which is sifting through thousands of things to find the one or two, and developing um, the advances that will define the future. And developing is the idea that, you know, if Wired's going to be at the nexus of innovation and culture, they have to build the tools sometimes for the storytelling. They can't wait for other people to do it for them. So that led to the position of where tomorrow is realized. Um, the where is Wired, but that means the magazine, the website, the mobile experience, conferences, um, advertising pop-ups, you know, the, the retail store in Manhattan during the holidays. Tomorrow is great because it's, you know, May 24th, 2018, but it's also 2020 and 2030 and 2050. Tomorrow has this beautiful indeterminate quality. And then is realized just the form of like making something vivid and graspable and making it something people can look to. Um, and then the four principles that were the heuristics that Scott and his team really spent a lot of time on were um, disruptive, which taken for its real meaning is about favoring the new over the old, like a newer, better way of doing things. Optimistic, um, believing that the world has the capacity to get better and leaning into making it better. Not being Pollyanna, but just believing that the world has the capacity to improve. Unapologetic, doing the real art of reporting. Like you got to put Edward Snowden on the cover if you got to put Edward Snowden on the cover. There's still a fierce debate as to whether he's a traitor or a hero. Um, so you have to be courageous in doing that. Um, and the last one was authoritative. You wanted people to not believe they had the final take on something until they'd gotten it from Wired. So that was the entire strategy. It was that many and that few words. But um, again, watching the team live it and turn it into to a product and an experience every day was what was really cool. Was it like a moment you're going, Scott, holy crap, that is genius? Or going, duh, yeah. I mean, because a lot of that stuff you kind of talk about, we go, maybe you weren't actually, I mean, from the outside, maybe people thought you were living that. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to putting your thing down. No, I, I get no, it. But it's kind of around, sometimes you talk to an organization, they don't see themselves for what they are. Mm -hmm. I, I you put clarity in that and, and a real clear plan and vision, et cetera. Did that, did, that, did, that, did that hit you with, wow, my God, this is phenomenal? Well, Patrick had warned me, and I'd never been through a strategic process like this, and he said, um, it, this shouldn't surprise you when we deliver it. It should feel essentially oh, true. Yeah, cool. And I remember being, I remember the room, I remember sitting there and Howard was there and everyone was there and it was just a lot of head nodding. And these are the some of the greatest editors and journalists on the planet sitting around that table. And it was just a lot of nodding and agreement and some fussing over some words and some reordering of some things and questions around certain of the values. But we all went back and sat on it and it just felt fundamentally correct. 
And as we started to put it into use and we could look at a, a lead of a story, we could look at a video edit, we could look at an advertising program. And instead of using this sort of indeterminate descriptor that we were using and saying, is that wired or is that is that paragraph wired enough or is that cover, is that headline going to be wired enough? And we'd argue back and forth about that. Instead, we could go in and replace the word wired with those values. Is, is that the authoritative take on this? Have we done enough reporting? Are we being unapologetic here? Can we actually say that headline? Can we put that headline with that image? And, living and breathing the values. And it just, it just started to work for us. And it gave us a much better vocabulary. And that vocabulary turned into a grammar. I'm just kind of wondering if that that moment when Patrick and his team presented, were you guys? Did you stamp and clap? Did you did you feel <laughs> it with your whole body that oh my god, this is this is what we've been looking for? Because it's interesting because we're on the side of Patrick. Um, <laughs> no, I'm not taking sides, oh, yeah. but you know we we often go into organizations, not Wired, of course, but other organizations, and kind of do a, um, a process of helping them to put clarity in their their purpose, etc. Did did it feel? Did it? I mean, it sounds like you embraced it right away, but did it? Was there like, mm, is this the one we want to go with, or how did it feel? It, it, it. The only way I can describe it is it felt right, and uh, across the, every, the, everybody it, it, was. It's there. a skeptical group. It's a skeptical yeah, audience, um, because when you're an editor at Wired, you get pitch things all day, every day. You have startups in, and hardware founders, and people inventing the future, and so. Every single day, there are folks in the office bringing in, transporting ideas in, into and trying to, to frame up story pitches. And so the group generally tends to sort of arch an eyebrow with any, any freight that's brought into um, the halls of the office. But it was one of those moments, I think, that everyone sort of looked at each other and, and felt really good about it. And if anything, you know, it... it, it the coffee that we had been used to had been turned into a, a perfectly drawn uh, espresso. It was sort of the the perfect distillate of the work that we had been trying to do ourselves and just couldn't, couldn't quite muster on our own. Thank you for listening. Stay tuned for part two of my chat with Scott and Patrick coming soon. If you want to know more about how others have designed their lives, check out our website, designyourlife.com.au or on our social media at Frost Collective.